Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power and glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, as usual, anybody willing to put on their camera would be awesome. You don't have to, it would be appreciated. Um, and, okay, sweet. Um, thank you for those who filled out this survey. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, Mina, if I can ask you a big favor, if you can post uh, the link to that again in here would be awesome. Um, I'm also sorry, I've been really slow at getting back to a lot of messages. Because um, I am, this is my flaring season. So I go from really energetic to really sick, um, all in one day. I don't know if I can hear. Okay, yeah. So my bad about that for those who aren't. Um, third, I'm just bringing up a whole bunch of things all at once. Um, I'm in the middle of revamping a whole bunch of things because my whole service is taking a different uh, path soon. So um, I will be a lot more responsive, God willing, soon. Um, and we'll get to that. I'll, I'll announce everything um, once I'm more <clears throat> aware of what's going on. So I'm going to not talk for too long. Um, like I said about like uh, redoing the topic, but there was like 30 something questions that we didn't get to last time. So I want to be able to get to some of those um, today. I don't know if everybody here was here last week, so we might not have that many questions. No problem. You'll be less bored. Um, but I'll review um, the themes that have been going on just because I'm not going to redo the topics, but um before Holy Week, we talked about divisive language in the church. Um, and then we also did um, um, last week, the As You See Fit. And I hope that what, I hope that what you guys are seeing in all of it um, is the need for being humble in our language. Okay. Um, and that I think we're used to talking about being humble um, with our actions, but a deeper place of humility, I think, is our speech, right? So, I mean, we're very good at doing the whole bowing and no, you first, and, and really, right? We'll say things like, um, I know I'm not perfect. Um, I just really think, you know, but humility in our words would mean not being possessive with our thoughts, not being possessive with our language, not being overly assertive in our language, right? Thinking about before we speak, was I asked to speak? Do I need to speak? Is it my role to speak? Why am I speaking? Am I speaking because I want um, someone to notice me? Am I speaking because I just want to assert myself. And I'm not saying that if the answer is negative to any of these, then you need to always be quiet. What I'm trying to say is that 
I think we are, as a culture, we're not humble in our speech, right? As a culture, we're very much more of, I just think, or, you know, someone really just needs to make the point or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just, I'm challenging that of saying that our job is not to do what society says. Society is sometimes right and sometimes wrong. So society is sometimes right, right? But of just saying that the standard for us as Christians um, for determining whether to speak or not, what to do or not, how to conduct ourselves, it's the gospel, right? And so in all things, we should always make sure that the first place that we look to is the gospel to determine when to speak and when not to speak. So that's, that's kind of the, the summative um, of, the, of, the, of the talks. I don't want to redo them. Um, and then those of you who had questions, if you want to write them here, go for it. If you want to raise your hand, then Mina can unmute you to ask you with your mic. Either one is fine with me. Um, but let's go straight into those because there were so many that I didn't get to last time. And it'll be so awkward right now if nobody has any questions. <laughs> okay, I do have a question that's come in, but it's not about the topic per se. So I wanted to see first if someone has something about the speech um, stuff, when to talk and when not to talk talking in service, talking and all that kind of conflict, because there was a whole bunch of them last week. I just don't know if people are not here who have them. If not, I will go into the ones that I get over here. Okay. All right, so the 31 questions from last week are not here, no problem. So first question is how do Okay, here's one. Um, how can you be honest with yourself about your intentions? That, that is the golden question. Um, that requires that you step back from what you are about to say and just stop. Don't say what you want to say right away. That's a very Desert Fathers-ish kind of advice, right? So step back first um, and ask the question, um, why am I speaking? Just ask it. If you just stop to ask it, right? Um, that's half the work by itself, right? Of just being like, am I worked up and I'm just saying it because I'm annoyed? Am I saying it because it's, it's my responsibility? Am I saying it because I know something that's there? Because if I can start off by identifying the reason that I'm, feeling the need to speak everything kind of falls in line because you'll even know how to deliver it right so for I'll, like for example i'm a priest i'm not a bishop thank god um for all of us um so if my bishop is talking about um at the at the brotherhood would be talking about an, an issue in the diocese right then i can sit and say okay is he just talking to us about what he sees or is he inviting us to participate like what is what is what is the setting of this conversation okay so if he's if he's saying literally so what do you think then i'm allowed to say what i think i was asked what i think right if he's announcing it he's just saying i am telling you <laughs> this is what we're doing that's not an invitation for me to speak however if for example um 
he's saying something that brings with it concern to me, that brings with it concern to me. Then I have to ask myself, okay, is it a concern because I think I'm the representative of whoever it is that I'm speaking for? Is it a concern because I just think that I know better? Am I speaking because I want to suck up and just be like Satan's favorite, right? These are all possibilities. We all, we, we all have in ourselves the ability to do all of these things, myself included, right? Do I just like the sound of my voice, right? Do I want him to know how smart I am? And, and, and I just want to agree with him so that he's like, oh, wow, I have a yes man. Like, what is my intention? That, that pausing and asking. So then if I can articulate what it is of being like, no, I'm just worried that this isn't going to be received well. Right. And so my concern is not because I just want to whatever, then I can, I can say, I can ask the question of, um, are we allowed to um, ask questions about this or is it not the time? Right. Because maybe it's not the time. Maybe he's not in the mood for it. If he says, yes, like I want be, you'll know because you know why it is, you'll know how to present it. Right. And just being like, I just, I'm going to be, for example, in the context of me to my Bishop, your eminence, I'm going to, be responsive and obedient to what you're asking me to do. Um, I want to address a concern that I, I, I think might, we might face. Um, I'm, I'm concerned that this might be received in such and such a way. Um, how do you advise me to react to such and such situation? Right, then I'm not challenging. I'm asking the question, something about saying it humbly, not saying it assertively as though my opinion is the right opinion. Right, that way it'll be it'll be more received. So I think the key to that question is stopping, not going straight for the answering, but the stopping, right? And saying, before I speak, let me self-reflect. If we slow down, I think most of us will know why. And if I feel any negative emotions, slow down even more and say, why do I feel so negatively and so strongly about this? Because that will also help me identify what my motivation is, right? That will help bring clarity to it. Um, sorry, I'm trying to go through, cause there's a whole bunch now. I wanna make sure that I get the ones related to the topic. Whoa, everyone disappeared. Where'd y'all go? Okay, I should just hit maximize rather than this. Okay, that was easier. Um, Okay, when a family member is consistently doing something harmful and feel that by bringing it up constantly, you are judging them. What does one do? Be merciful and accepting without truth? No, so that's a good question. So it depends on what's my role, okay? So parents teaching children, that's the duty of a parent, right? As much as we don't like it, um, myself included. Um, it, it is their, their role. They don't always do it well. And they don't always do it in a Christian way either. Okay. But um, they do have a role for it versus what's my role as a son? Is it my role as a son to correct my parents unasked? No, it's not. Right. And especially, and here's where you can see whether you're being humble or not, because do you always correct? Or do you only correct when it pisses you off personally, <laughs> right? Because there's some things that we totally let slide that we know are wrong, but it's convenient to us, right? So for example, um, 
I hope my mom's not still in the room. I saw her at one point. She's in the room to bed. Um, But when we were kids, um, my mom wanted us to fast. My dad didn't care when we were young. (laughs) So I was totally on my dad's side for the fasting thing, right? And so when my mom would fast and then my sister, then I'm like, great, game over. We're all going to fast now. So are you being consistent or are you only wanting to correct because of of where you're particularly sensitive to and let's be real we're going to be more sensitive to our families than we are going to be to strangers it's it's just natural the people that you're with all the time are the people you're going to be more sensitive around just like in a monastic community we we can be really mean to each other right because we're with each other all the time okay so first of all is it your duty but you're saying they're doing something harmful So you need to ask yourself objectively how you've assessed it as harmful and whether you're being theoretical or real. Okay. So I, and by that, like, let's differentiate. Um, my dad is smoking. Okay. Versus, um, my mom is too assertive and it's harmful to the family dynamic. Okay, that's what I mean about uh, like a, a theoretical versus a, a, an objective, right? Because smoking is an easier one by saying this is, this is actually objectively dangerous, not that judging isn't, right? But it's a different kind of judgment because there's something a lot more objective about it, right? And because there's something that affects you personally, because if, if my parents get cancer, for example, that, that really, that's not fair to me. Like I, I'm going to say something. So find out that and then ask is it your rule because it's not your rule to spiritually correct your parents it's not right um it's it's not wrong to tell your parents they're doing a a physical act that you're concerned about right but even then with some kind of humility so number one is it my rule number two then how do i bring it up to them because you're saying by constantly bringing it up and i'm saying you shouldn't probably constantly um, pick it up or or bring it up, right? So for example, let's say my dad smokes, right? And I happen to be studying smoking in school right now. And so I have a natural reason to bring it up, right? Then I can be like, dad, have you, I'm not saying this is the way to do it, but here's a way. Dad, have you thought about quitting smoking? Like, I'm a little bit worried because I know that this and this and this and this and this can happen. And so I'm worried for your health and I'm also concerned for our family because I would hate for you to get lung cancer, right? I would hate for X, Y, um, and, Z, and Z or Z if you're in America, okay? So those are, the, those are the things. And so then check their response, right? If they're very hostile, I have no reason to keep bringing it up. It's not my job. Even a parent when they, who have the right to correct their kids, they should not, in my view, constantly, right, be like going against their kids. I remember when we were kids and reading the Bible as a family, whenever we would read, children obey your parents for it is good and is an ornament, when we were reading Proverbs, my dad would make me repeat the verse over and over and over again. Um, but there is the verse that says, parents provoke not your children to anger. 
And I wanted so badly to make them repeat that verse, um, but we couldn't, right? So parents need to also do their job. I'm just saying that you're asking your, what the, the, from the perspective of child versus from parents, a different thing. So watch for the reaction. If they're not happy, if they're angry, if it's bothering them, step back to say and say it. Be like, I've clearly upset you. My intention wasn't to upset you. I'm saying this from a place of love and concern, and I didn't mean to make you angry with it. And then step back from it, right? Then it doesn't become your thing to constantly say, unless there's a right way to bring it up in the future, which I can't list all the, all the, all the ways. That's different from when they're doing something that affects you directly, right? So for example, if when your parent screams at you constantly, right? And it aggravates you so much that you break down. So for example, some parents, their way of communicating is to yell and scream. And some children, the reaction is they break down. They don't know how to answer. They can't even speak co like coherently or logically because of the screaming and yelling. And so anything they say doesn't make sense. And then that makes the parents start yelling more and be like, aha, aha, everything you're saying is so dumb. You're not even making sense. Like you don't even have an answer, right? And, and, it, and it gets into this cycle and it's really... It hurts, right? So there's where a parent is doing something that affects you directly, right? So in that case, it wouldn't be wrong, for example, to say um, to the parent, you know, uh, but not in the middle of the fight, um, you know, I'm not here to tell you that how you talk to me is right or wrong. But I do want to say, and that's not because I'm trying to be disrespectful to you, but I do want to say this, what I mean by humility and speech, if you're able to preface it with why you're saying it, it makes things easier, right? So if you can say to your parents, um, I know that I do things wrong sometimes, and I know that sometimes I provoke you to anger. Um, it's just that when, when you come and raise your voice, um, I don't know how to react. And I'm not able to answer you in the moment and I'm not able to do these things. So I'm not here to tell you how to parent me and how to communicate with me. I'm just saying that's the, that's the, that's the effect it has on me. So I'm just asking for your patience that I sometimes might need a minute to process everything you're saying before I answer. I might ask you if it's okay with you, if I can go to my room just for a minute or two, just five minutes to gather my thoughts and then come answer you because I don't know how to answer you in the moment when you, when, when, that happens, right? That way, the humility in speech, um, my mom message to say she's here. Hi, mom. Um, so that way, with the humility of speech, you're not provoking them. You're not saying to them how messed up you think they are, how wrong they think they, that you, how wrong you think they are, right? When, once any of us, think about yourself, whenever any of us feels like we're being attacked, we go into defensive mode, right? It's, it's how we normally react, right? And so put that, put that into perspective when you're talking to others, right? And I think that might help a little bit. If you don't think that answers your, your situation, the person you wrote it, feel free to follow up with another one, maybe give a, a hypothetical that might be um, easier. Um, is it our congregation, regular servants, et cetera, not clergy, um, place to talk to your diocese bishops about issues you have with direction or action or lack of action? Um, or is that meant for others? How do you advise we go about identifying issues, solutions? Okay, that's a great question, right? Because 
what this topic leads to um, is another topic of its own that I won't go through in all of its details, um, but there's a whole other topic um, that this would relate to, um, which is when is the right time to speak, right? Because I've been talking about how not to speak when not to speak, but there is a time to speak and it's not wrong. It's not wrong to talk to your servants, your priests or your bishop. That's not wrong. Um, even though we don't all handle it well, I'll be honest. We don't always handle confrontation well. We don't always handle correction well, but we're all works in, in progress, right? So let's say you know, um, you, you see something in the diocese, right? Or in your parish. I say start off by working through the system. If it's in your local service, it's the servants group, right? Then bring it up at the servants meeting, right? Um, if there's a head of the service, the steward of the service, right? The amin or amin of khidma right? Then that's not a wrong person to go to. That does not mean, that does not mean you're not allowed to go straight to the priest. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to go straight to the bishop. I'm simply saying often it's, it's good to use the system so that there's no misunderstandings because people are really sensitive, right? So for example, um, I'll try and look at it from both perspectives, from, from me as a priest side versus as the, as the non-priest side, okay? I remember um, Servants coming up and saying, hey, um, do you think we could do a Halloween um, event in place of Halloween for our kids? Um, I was new at the church and it was a very controversial issue at that church. Okay. Um, and so there were some who felt strongly for and some who felt strongly against. Right. And so in going to the steward of the service, of coming to me directly to the steward. Um, if I were to have jumped in and just being like, yeah, great idea, sure, let's do it, right? Then I haven't had the opportunity from the priest side to hear, oh, this is a contentious issue here. I was brand new, okay? Um, and so I might jump in and be like, oh, great idea, not knowing that I'm about to offend half of the servants. Forget like even the congregation, I'm offending half the servants now, right? So by going to the steward, right, then it gives the steward a chance because the steward might be more in touch with what's going on, right, to say, okay, you know what, that might be a good idea, let's, let's approach it, let's see what it could look like, what do you have in mind, etc., and then it goes to um, the priest, right? I am not saying you couldn't just go to this priest. I want to make that very clear. I'm just talking about the, the way of, 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 of approaching, okay, because there's a specific issue. So I guess I'm trying to say when there's something really specific, something really local, I would say start locally, okay? Now, sometimes things get out of hand and the system has broken down or there's no communication in your church or your priest is just really not a listener or your Amin Khidma is not a listener or you feel really strongly and you felt like you weren't heard. That does happen. That does happen, right? So I'm assuming in all this that you have a spiritual director that you've been talking to um, who's challenging you to make sure that everything you're doing has been done in the Christian way, okay? So that's my assumption, because I'm not going to get into all of that. I'm just assuming it, right? So assuming that you've been doing everything in a very Christian manner and people are still not responsive, which is very possible, right? Then go to the person's responsible, but make sure that you approach them the right way, right? For example, I have gone to my bishop, and this has nothing to do with me even being a priest, and said, you know, Sayedna, um, 
from the feedback I'm hearing from different people and just from things that I'm seeing, um, I'm wondering if we have a gap in the service um, with respect to the example I gave him at the time was service to young married couples. I'm like, I don't feel that there's a lot of discipleship for newly married people. And I'm like, I'm saying that I'm not volunteering. I'm a celibate. <laughs> so I'm not even saying it because I want to take over like a, a thing. I'm just saying there's, there seems to be a need here. Um, and these are some of the issues that we're seeing here is that some of the things we're seeing um, problems and going on with it. Um, uh, if you want ideas, I have ideas, but I just want to throw that out there that I wonder if you see a need for this. No problem. Right. But here's, here's where we've got to be careful with how we approach. When I approach somebody with an idea or a suggestion, I can't approach with the expectation that they do what I tell them. I go presenting the problem. I can also go with ideas. I just can't go with the expectation of they should implement my idea. Instead, it should be, here are some suggestions, but here's what I'm seeing, right? And that way the person doesn't feel accosted, right? So they can be like, okay, you know what? Maybe there's merit to that. And actually I know another person who mentioned that and maybe there's all of this, maybe this could all work, right? But don't just say, here's what needs to be done and here's how to do it. And if you don't address it in this way, then you don't get it or you don't respect me or you don't, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Because every bishop has a different style. I'll give you an example. Um, I'll use my bishop as an example. I think he's a boss. I love him. Um, but some bishops might be very reactive and be like, yes, definitely right now. Okay. Um, I'm not saying my bishop is flawless. I'm just saying I happen to really like him. Others, um, when, they, when they hear an idea, they like to sit with it for a long time to not act on the impulse and not act on the emotion, right? Is, and and I, I really like that. That's, like, that's a personal preference. I'm not saying it's the only right way, but it is a way and it happens to be a way that I like. Um, it's a more monastic way, right? Like St. Macarius prayed three years before acting on the thought of visiting the brethren. <laughs> Right. So it's a way of, 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 of taking it slowly. And so when a person comes to Amisarbin, for example, with it, with an idea and with suggestions, I have seen in my experience that he's very responsive to that. Very, very responsive to that. And he's okay with an idea working for four months and then failing, but he doesn't like to implement quickly because the Bishop sees what me and you don't see how many players are involved in the whole thing that we're thinking about and how it affects a whole bunch of things. So for example, I'll give an example as a priest to make it easier. Sometimes somebody will come to me with an idea that I think is good. I think it's a great idea. I also know it's going to anger 30 people in the congregation. And if I act on it right away, I'm going to lose those people. And I have to think pastorally. I can't just think functionally, right? I have to also think pastorally, right? So I might have to take into the idea and just kind of be like, how can we get this going in a way that wins over the most souls? And how can I help those who might be opposed to this? I'll give... Um, I'll give a specific example, the Halloween thing. 
Okay. I knew that with the Halloween thing, I liked the idea. I thought it was a good idea. I thought it was an important idea, even though I wasn't sure if I liked the idea, but I saw a value in it. Right. So in not reacting right away, I actually begged the first two servants who told me, I'm like, can we leave this to my second year <laughs> and not my first year <laughs> so that we can just do status quo. But I'm just saying, okay, what can we do? I had to sit, pause, think, what can we do about this? Have a servants meeting. And I'm like, okay, what can I do to make everybody happy? If it's possible, we can't, it's not possible sometimes to make everyone happy. Okay. But what are the ways of having the most peace? In some places, there is a solution to that. In some places, there isn't. And so there's a lot of decision-making factors of who does it affect? What does it do? Is there long-term damage? Is this going to really, really isolate certain people? If I don't do it and we missed out on a certain service, is that okay or is it not okay? So what I mean is, and I'm sorry that I'm rambling, is that to answer your question now more concisely, yes, you can bring it up. Sometimes you should bring it up, but make sure that when you do it, that you realize that there's a lot more going on than you might see, okay, or appreciate. Recognize that you might not be right, okay, accept that humbly. Um, allow the person to process it in their own way and to implement it in their own way. Because if our real motivation is just bringing up the idea, we're gonna to be totally fine if our idea isn't used or even if it's rejected. But if our motivation is to get our way, we'll be more upset if we don't get our way. And we're all guilty of that sometimes. Um, uh, what is your advice on how to confront people whose actions or words may have hurt me? Um, although knowing I'm sensitive, I'd like to learn better ways to confront others because I think it will help me overcome some level of gossip of people with whom I'm angry. Um, and the second with it is when I hurt someone and I apologize to that person because it is the right thing to do, how do we actually repent to God from our heart? Um, I don't know if these make sense. Yes, they, they do make sense. Um, so the first thing is um, the, uh, how to confront people whose actions or words may have, have hurt me. So I would say the first is ask whether I, whether I need to confront or not, right? That's the first question that should be answered. Because sometimes I might not need to confront. Sometimes it should just be a spiritual exercise for me um, to accept abuse just like our Lord did, right? That I, I don't need to. For me, I don't know that I would need to confront unless it's I'm not able to move past it um, and I'm not able to be normal with the person. If I'm not able to do those with some guidance, then I might go confront and say, okay. And then I would need to say, okay, so then why am I confronting? Am I confronting the person to put them in their place? Because that's not a right motivation, right? Or am I confronting because I want to reconcile? Because if my goal is reconciliation, that's going to affect my, that's what I mean about being objective, it's going to affect my tone. Right. So if I come to the person and say, listen, I'm I want to bring up what happened. And I'm not here to tell you how wrong you are or how bad I think you are or how poorly you reacted to me. I'm here because this action, words, reaction, insert whatever the person did as a fact, not not your interpretation of it. Simply saying this event, this thing that occurred 
I reacted and responded internally in this way. It really hurt me. I felt X. I interpreted it as one, two, or three. Okay? That way you're not saying to the person, you said this, right? You're a jerk. You're bad, right? You're presumptuous. You're arrogant. These are all accusations. But if we're confronting for the sake of reconciliation, we're not here to accuse. We're simply saying this occurred. It's a fact. There's no denying it. This occurred. But that I interpreted it in this way and it really hurt me. And because of it, I'm struggling to interact with you. Right? So you're, you're explaining why. And so now if your if if game, your aim, your, your goal um, is reconciliation, now you'll be actually listening to what the person is saying back to you. Okay? Some people don't handle being told that they're wrong or that they possibly did something wrong very well. Okay? I'm not perfect at it. I think I've improved at it. I'm not perfect at it. Um, at the very beginning, I'm saying, but I'm working on it with my spiritual father. At the very beginning, I didn't know how to react because it's a natural reaction for a lot of us to get defensive of, no, I didn't. You're just too sensitive. You didn't understand me. You, 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 you. And the person sometimes reacts to, even when you said it the right way, sometimes the person in front of you will react by accusing you. Okay. So be ready for that when you go to, when you go to confront someone that it might be flipped back at you. Okay. Because if you've prepared for it, you'll be more peaceful about it. Right. So that you can respond and say, you're right. Right. If you're listening and you're looking for reconciliation, right. Then you can say that acknowledge where the person is right. Right. And say to the person, um, you know what, um, you, you might be right. I might be sensitive, right? In this case, you're already saying about yourself that you're sensitive, right? Or you might say, you're right. I may have misunderstood what you meant. But what I'm coming to tell you is that, yes, I am sensitive. And so I don't handle very well being yelled at, okay? Um, or, um, you know what? It might be better with me because of my weakness, if it's, if it's okay with you, maybe when you correct me, could you consider correcting me one-on-one? Um, or maybe, and, and give them suggestions for how to deal with you. And be open to them saying, well, sometimes I can't, right? And, and, and that might be true. There might be, sometimes what they're saying might be true. But if your goal is reconciliation, you'll handle what they're saying better and a lot more um, effectively right? Um, at being able to say that. So, um, for example, I've been, I was told by a fellow priest once, and this is what I mean about healthy confrontation, right? So, um, I was asked to give a talk to our clergy in LA, um, on atheism. Okay. And one of my brothers in the brotherhood told me after the first talk, it was, there was going to be two. He told me at the first talk, um, you know, some priests felt like you were really kind (laughs) of aggressive. And I was so taken aback because I didn't think I was being aggressive at all because I wasn't talking about anyone. (laughs) Like it was a general topic. And so I was like, okay, well, what do you mean? Right. And he's like, well, one priest said to me specifically, you know, you kept on saying you should, you should, you should. 
And then, but because my goal was to understand, not to just react, I can mean like, well, that's crazy. I didn't say anything, right? I realized what was going on. When I was saying you should, what I was actually saying was, when you find yourself in such and such a situation, you should ask these questions. But this person um, for whom English wasn't the first language, and I'm not saying that sarcastically, okay? But their interpretation of it was that I was saying, you, 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 as though I was saying, you guys don't do anything. You need to go out and do this. So he took it so personally. And so in, in, in being confronted, right, it was able to help me be like, oh, so I'm also saying things. Yes, this person misinterpreted. Okay. But if I want to just fight, I can be like, well, that guy just didn't get it. But if I want reconciliation, right, then it's just like, oh, I'm also doing something that's provoking them. Right. So when I did part two at the next clergy meeting, right, I started the talk with, I want to put out there, I get really like excited about this topic and I might get more in your face than I mean to be. And I also really want to clarify when I say things like this or this or this, I really don't mean this. So I'm going to try not to say them, but if I slip and I say them, please know it's not what I meant. Right now, the objective is, is, is peace. Right. So that's, that's how I would go about that. So bring it peacefully. Don't expect a perfect reaction. Um, and have as your goal, always reconciliation. Listen to the other person as much as you wish to be listened to. Empathize with the other person as much as you would like to be empathized with. If you're able to do that, that's the gospel, right? To, to do unto others as you expect to have unto us, right? If we start off with those as our convictions, it'll really help us. It'll change the whole tone of the conversation. And then if you see the person reacting really negatively, just stop the conversation and say, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean for this to escalate. I was actually coming here hoping for reconciliation. I wasn't, I wasn't coming here hoping to provoke you more. I'm so sorry. Um, I'll work on, on my end and I, and I hope that you're not upset with me. That by itself may affect the person even more after the fact, right? I know some people who, when I've said that to, they react to me really negatively, but then they come back literally a week or two later and they're like, okay, so I already know you're right. I shouldn't have done this and this and this and this and this. They're just not able to say it in the moment, right? And so that's fine. Accept it, right? Don't demand them to, don't demand them to apologize in your way, right? Don't demand them to, um, to react the way that you would react, because I think we're all very guilty of that, myself included sometimes. I hope that was helpful. Feel free to follow up with number one. Number two was, um, would I apologize to someone because it's the right thing to do? How do we actually repent to God from our heart? That's a beautiful question. That's a very spiritual question, right? So that is to stand before God and to say, Lord, what have I done to offend my neighbor? Repentance means to change is a change of mind, a change of heart. And saying, let me not do the behaviors that aggravate others, regardless of their reaction to me. We don't do the gospel for the reward of the other person. We do the gospel because it's right. Right? And so if we have that in mind, and I recognize, to me, the simplest way is, I'm God's son or daughter. I am created in the image and likeness of God. That's a gift. So whenever I don't behave as God would behave, as the incarnate Lord would behave, I'm actually trampling on this gift that he gave me.
the image and likeness. And so whenever I'm not using it right, I owe him an apology because I'm misusing his gift. And so it is so natural for me to say sorry to him, right? Because when I come to say sorry to him, then I'm saying, sorry, God, I didn't behave worthy of the dignity that you gave me as a gift. I didn't act like a prince today, right? I acted like an entitled brat personally, right? Um, and in fact, my behavior offended your other kids. And I'm really sorry. They might get mad at you today because I annoyed the heck out of them. <laughs> Right. So it's that that's the way that I that I would view that. Um, I believe that discussion discussing the situation is best. But what if the other side does not listen and he looks at himself, the upper hand, and it's his way or the highway? Um, let him. Right. That's the spirit of Haldir. Right. Let them even even if the person is supposed to be um, obedient to you. Right? So um, if it's a servant to a priest, a child to a parent, so I'm saying even if you're the priest or even if you're the parent, sometimes let the person have their way. Um, and if you're a parent or a, or, or a place of instruction, um, at the right time, let them know that you did that. At the right time not in the heat of the moment, right? Of saying, I want you to know um, if necessary, not I shouldn't say that so emphatically because sometimes you don't need to say it at all. But if, if appropriate, it might be good sometimes to say, no, you can have your way. Like, I don't need to have my way. The point is not to have the way. The point of the, of the discussion wasn't about me having my way. So you can have your way. The point of the discussion was this. But if that's what you want to do, go ahead, right? You can, you can do it. Right, that's a, it can be an effective way of, of teaching because a person who always just wants to have their way, at some point, somebody who's not able to practice virtue is gonna be in their life and they'll learn their lesson. Just don't be the one who volunteers to give them the lesson, right? Because somebody who's stubborn, it catches up with them. It's inevitable, right? Somebody who is arrogant, it catches up with them. It's, it's inevitable, right? Because you might get into a fight with somebody, think you were right. And so you walk away thinking you were right. But then you fight with the next person, the next person, the next person, the next person. It's only a matter of time before somebody just says to you, you're so aggravating. <laughs> you're so stubborn. You're so that someone's going to say it to us eventually, right? That's why it's always better to say it to yourself first. It saves you so much humiliation. But let them, if they, if they want to, to have their way, let them have their way. Um, and you won't feel, the, the beauty of this is because you're laying down your will. So you're not going to feel um, any loss of dignity. Because you're voluntarily laying down your will. That's the beauty of it, right? The beauty of the spirit of Hauser is that it's like Christ. Like we said last week, Christ said, I am laying down my own life. I'm saying halder to the Father and to all of you, my creation, of my own will. Not because I am weak, but because I am strong, right? And so that is what totally changes the, the context. You're not losing your dignity 
because you laid it down. And that makes a world of a difference to me. Um, and I'm confident in saying, because Christ said it, to God. And so you will see God's grace work even more. And you will see that your dignity long-term actually increases, not decreases. Because as people mature, they will realize, they will, they, will, they will be able to look back, if they ever get over themselves, they will be able to look back and be like, oh, wow, good thing that happened to me with so-and-so, because anybody else would have totally destroyed me. <laughs> um, should you speak up on behalf of an injustice happening to someone else in your presence? If so, when? If not, why not? Yes. I, injustice, yes. Not So where is the place to lay down? personal justice that's where you can lay it down okay whereas for someone else i won't say always speak up because i'm scared to say always because there might be a time where you don't and then i will feel badly that i said it so absolutely um but i would say go to the gospel and look okay and the reason why i was so quick to say yes is because look at the old testament and the new testament what is, what is the thing that gets God riled up? It's injustice, right? That's why, why God says over and over, for the crying of the poor, for the oppression of my people, I will arise, says the Lord God, right? Like, like God really, really gets upset about this, right? So I'm not saying go be a social justice warrior. I am not saying go and like um, organize a protest at church. That's not what it means to stand up for the oppressed, right? But let's say, for example, you're in a servants meeting and you see that someone's idea got shot down and they were really humiliated and no one even noticed, right? One way to speak up for them would be to be like, you know what? I see some merit in your suggestion. That was a nice idea. I see this and this and this were really good in it. Um, I, and you might not even have to agree with the idea. You can say, I don't know if we can do it. I don't know how to implement it. But I really think that you brought up these really good points. Right? Um, if, for example, you see um, that somebody got left out of something, I think saying in private is usually the best way at first, is to go to whoever is responsible. If it's not your point, place of, of, of authority, go to the authority and say, um, you know, I don't know um, if you saw this or didn't notice this or not. This occurred and I wanted to make sure it was heard. Um, because I think this person is hurt, right? Especially when I was a parish priest, I really appreciated being told when people were hurt um, or something happened to them, especially when I didn't know, especially when I wasn't present, right? So that I can be like, oh, thank you for telling me. I better outreach them. I better go find a thing. So um, whatever you do, do according to the gospel. Um, somebody actually sent me one of my favorite quotes. I used to have this up on my wall, actually, from Mother Teresa. Um, if you haven't heard it, um, then, like, I had a poster, but I love it. People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness... People may be jealous, be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. For you see in the end it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Um, 
thank you um, for the person who sent that. It's one of my favorite quotes, actually. Um, so if you're going to respond on, on behalf of someone, do it according to the gospel. Um, make sure that you do it humbly. Make sure that you do it according to your position, right? So for example, if I know that Ambassarabiyun misunderstood a priest and is upset with the priest, it's not my job in a servant and a priest meeting to raise my hand and say, Sayyidina, you are victimizing so-and-so. That's an accusation, right? So don't bring it as an accusation, right? But I might go to Ambassarabiyun and say, Sayyidina, I know this might be out of bounds for me. I'm not here to moderate or, mo or, mo or, or intervene between you and Abuna so-and-so. Um, however, um, my conscience, they're saying, know why you're speaking. My conscience is bothering me because such and such fact was brought to me that I don't know if your eminence is aware of and if it affects anything nor am I expecting you to explain anything to me. I literally just felt wrong not bringing it to your attention, period. You don't owe me the answer. You don't owe me the justice. You don't owe me the explanation. Being humble in our approach, right? I'm literally bringing it because my conscience is the reason. That's what I'm saying. It's when you know why you're saying it, it totally affects the how and the where and the when, et cetera. Um, and in all cases, because these are, I don't, I can't give a general answer, go get guidance because your, your spiritual guide can help train you to find out your motives, right? They might know your specific context, right? So they might know, no, 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 don't go to that guy and say that, even though what you're saying is right, he'll blow up, it'll make the situation worse. That's a possibility. So your effort to help it might aggravate it, even though everything you did was spiritually really good. Right. So that's why I'm just like, it, it would be good to ask. And then um, if it's because partially you just didn't get your way and you're framing it as justice. Right. Um, then you've got these extra set of eyes that are that are helping you. Um, OK, I think that was all the questions specifically about about the speaking up. Um, so I can switch now to the. Uh, the other topics. Um, to, 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 to. How do you identify your talents? So, um, that one is so important. So I'm glad it's being asked because I think that we as Christians, especially the Orthodox, especially monastic, tend to focus more on our negatives than our positives um, and how, how bad we are. But a lot of the times um, where we're going to connect to God most is actually in our talents, in our gifts, because that's where we connect with God more. Because anything good in you is coming from its source, which is God. And so where you're good at something, you're going to relate to God, quote unquote, more in that thing. So to find your talents, I would say there's, a, there's, there's some random tips that I give. They're not perfect. But one, think about what gets you the most excited spiritually or secularly, what gets you so excited? And think about why, right? As a kid, for me, it was, it was reading. Right now, it's truth. It might be a group gathering, like, like sharing, right? Like what, gets you, like, if you, like what gets you really excited? There's something going on and whatever gets you excited that has something to do with things that you like. That's why you're excited, right? If somebody tells me, yo, 
like let's go and like i got tickets to a boxing match let's go i'm not excited at all personally right i might be like yeah like tell me where you guys are going to eat after and i'll i'll go join you guys for the dinner um because i'm not excited about it right so what what gets excited another way of, of finding it that i sometimes suggest is ask yourself if i could design my designer day okay doing whatever i wanted what would i choose to do because what you choose to do is what you love right um because we all claim i've had all the time in the world i would and then i'm saying finish that sentence what would what would it be what what would be the conclusion of that sentence because th- whatever you're excited about is probably because you're good people don't really get excited about things that they're not good at they get excited about things they are good at right so that would be a really good starting place the other thing you can do is go to your close family and friends and even coworkers right and just say okay this might be a weird question i'm not looking for an ego rub right now i'm trying to figure some things out if you were to describe me like what i'm good at what would you tell me i'm good at if you were to choose any job in the world and pretend that there was no um a social status that went with a particular role okay because sometimes we'll tell people things because it's nice right or being like oh you'd be the best surgeon in the world because it suggests that you're brilliant right so i'm saying pretend that everything was on equal footing what job do you think that i would do and why right because if they're like oh you're definitely a people person you should be in counseling right or like oh man like you would be like the perfect person to go to for problem solving you'd be the perfect person to go to for fixing the backyard you'd be like my go-to guy for a listening ear you'd be my go-to for getting me out of a bad like funk right so ask ask those who are around you what what would you what do you see in me if i were to be writing up my resume and i'm supposed to list my top 10 strengths what would you say to me again i'm not saying it for to show off that way you can get a sense of um of 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 how you see yourself and how others view you i think those would be good um starting points for identifying um the talent sorry it's maybe not as good of an answer as you're hoping um uh we did that one already uh relating to humility and seeking vocation did you desire monasticism before you received your calling i did i did i can't pretend that i didn't um my father confession at the time really told me off for it um but i i did um and i i don't regret it <laughs> um in the sense that um i i was being me i was being normal right and some people go through monk phases and get over it some people go through nun phases and get over it um and and i think that's normal and i think it's healthy and i think it's good it has a place for it right i think the only time it, it'll become a problem is is if the desire is coming out of um ego right if it's coming out of because i think i'm so righteous or because i think of um like because some people see monasticism as the elite squad okay let's be real and so when when it's viewed as the elite squad and i want it for that reason that's presumptuous but some people want to become a doctor for fame and for prestige 
But some people want to become a doctor genuinely because they want to be a doctor. And that's not a bad thing. So all that would really matter is the why is it that I want it? Okay. Um, and do I submit to that God may want something else? That's where I was struggling with, to be honest with you. Um, and I think that's why I'm able, um, some people hate me for it, but it's also why I think when people are struggling with what I struggled with, which is if I'm not called to it, does that mean that God doesn't think I'm good enough? Right. That's something I think that some people struggle with. Um, whereas really that's not the issue. The real issue is God, where do you want me? But yeah, I definitely had that. And I definitely had a lack of humility. I can't, I can't pretend I was purely humble about my, uh, my intentions. I wanted to be the glow in the dark guy who like, um, could answer anything and, and could be <laughs> have glowing hands and crosses in my eyes. I wanted it. Um, until I saw the other side of it. I'm like, no, I don't want it. Um, <laughs> like, I'm okay. Um, how do I be still and know he is God when the devil fights us so hard in our mental warfare, war of thoughts, whenever we try to be still? Why were we not God's chosen people first instead of the Jews? Um, so the first question, don't give Shushu attention. Don't give the devil attention, right? Any, anything you give attention grows. It's that simple, right? So anything that we're obsessed with over, overcomes us. So identify whether the thoughts are worth your time or not. There are some people who, like, we have two extremes. People who don't think at all, pardon me. Like, well, I mean, everyone's thinking, but they just, they don't spend much time on anything. And then people who overthink everything, right? Those are the two extremes. So that's why I'm a big fan of the, of the St. Paul verse that I'm quoting all the time from, from uh, Ephesians, I believe. Um, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are lovely, whatsoever things bring joy, whatsoever things are, and they're all positive things. All of those things, think on those, right? Don't waste your time on other thoughts, even if the thoughts aren't intrinsically sinful. How good I am, how bad I am, how much I messed up, what I'm going to do next, how I'm going to do this, what this means about this, not what this means about that, and blah, 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 blah. You won't end, okay? You'll, you'll, you'll go on and on and on and on. There's, not, there's room for meditation. There's room for self-reflection. I'm an overthinker. I'm, I'm one of those, so I'm, I'm not speaking from a place of, of perfection, okay? But don't waste your time, right? Think about what's good, right? Of saying, what is the purpose of this dialogue that I'm having with myself? Where is it taking me? Right? Am I becoming more peaceful with this whole thing that I'm talking about? I'm not. I'm getting more worked up. Right? And the devil uses thoughts like there's no tomorrow. This I can say from, from my brief monastic experience. When I was a novice, oh my Lord. Right? I, I, I read about this stuff. I didn't know how real it was until I was in it. Right? Of how much like thoughts can own you. Right? I remember going to my cell and, and having these thoughts of like, ugh, so and so, brother so and so. Okay, no, he has it in for me. He has it in for me. He looked at me like this, and I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but this, like it was, it came to even that. Like, no, I saw he was giving me looks, right? He didn't even greet me in church today. And it's in a monastery, all of the novices and all of the monks, you must greet every single one in order of eldest to, to most junior. So it's not, it's not an accident, it's a rule. He didn't greet me. 
right? And when I walked by, usually he's smiley. Today he wasn't smiley. I said this, he gave me like this weird, like sarcastic look, right? So day after day, I'm in my room and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. What a guy, what, what a jerk. What kind of novice is he? What is he? And then I started judging and doing all these things. And I remember one particular scenario where this went on for eight or nine days straight. And then I finally had a conversation with the novice and all of my thoughts came to nothing in a matter of 35 seconds where everything that I thought was completely wrong and I had wasted eight or nine days on it, <laughs> right? So don't give room to any of those things. Don't, don't bother with it. So when the devil fights you so hard in your mental warfare, war of thoughts, ignore him, okay? So the father has told us there's two ways to deal with thoughts, confront or flee, okay? Fleeing is what we're gonna do most of the time. Confront when you're a little bit more solid, where you can say to the devil, you know what, that's so stupid, right? Or you know what, that's so irrelevant because the gospel says, right? But your confidence in responding to him is not gonna be you. It's gonna be the gospel, it's gonna be your God, right? Saint Anthony, when he confronted the devils, didn't say, I'm so mighty, I'm so powerful, Right? St. Anthony looked at them because he's the best saint in the world and he just says, you know, um, I'm a little bit confused about why so many of you have come. Because I am weaker than the weakest of you. So if it's about strength, you didn't need this whole parade. But if you actually had strength over my God, then you would be able to do your thing. So if you have something to do, do it. If not, I'm going to do me, right? And they vanished. They couldn't deal with him, right? So confront or flee. I would say flee. Um, don't waste your time. Um, because if you confront, you might get into too much of a dialogue if you're, not, if you're not ready for it. Why were we not God's chosen people first instead of the Jews? We were. We were, we were, all, <laughs> we were all chosen by God. We just all rejected him. The Jews were the second choice after humanity rejected God. Then God chose the Jews, and he didn't choose them permanently. He said, I'm going to use you to show the whole world that I am God. And so that's why even to the Jews, he said, I am coming, and everyone will be united to me again. There's not going to be a special people. Everyone will be my people. And that's what, and that's what he did. Um, how do you deal with family or everyone, but mostly family? So mom or sister that just want me to talk for the sake of talking and other times small talk questions, then I don't respond because I don't want to engage. You know, you make yourself not listening and then I get you're rude or I'm not going to talk to you. Um, it seems listening doesn't work. They want you to talk and I've got nothing useful to say. I want to study, stay in, in peace and I don't want to get into foolish talk. Okay, so you've got to be... Um, wise about this because you've got to recognize your role as a family member okay so um one thing my priest when i was growing up said to me because i was trying to practice silence <laughs> was he gave me a rule of silence and said this does not apply when your parents are talking to you <laughs> right so that i can't just say i have a rule of silence from when i'm sorry i can't answer you right now okay um and the reason i'm telling that story is to say that um, we've got to differentiate private piety and personal asceticism 
from the public practice of it. Okay, so for example, let's say you have a rule of not eating anything until three or four in the afternoon. That's something to keep to yourself. That's different from fasting Wednesday and Friday, which theoretically the whole church is supposed to do. Forget whether they do or they don't. The church has a general canon for all the faithful to fast Wednesday and Friday. So I'm not being conceited, arrogant, presumptuous or anything if I say I'm fasting on Friday. There's nothing wrong with me saying that, right? It's, it's like, it, it should be the equivalent of somebody saying, like, I've got work on Friday. It should be that level. So if you are trying to not have idle talk, you've got to step back and say, what is idle talk? Okay, like you need to have a definition for that first. Because if making small talk with your family is a way of showing them love, it's not idle. It's not idle anymore. It actually serves a purpose, right? So it's not like you have to sit down with your parents every single time and say, oh, mother and father, I love you in the Lord Jesus. Let us open the Bible and let us discuss what we have read from our God right now. Right? Like, and be like, I am so faithful. Right? And then your dad's like, oh, how about them like raptors? And you're like, please, Father, I am trying to practice pious talk. Right? That's not, <laughs> that's not right. Okay? That's you imposing on the whole family what you think is religious. Okay? That's not you denying your will. Right? That's you forcing your will. On everyone okay so you need to figure out is the thing that I'm doing practice the right way so definitely speak to your spiritual guide about how you're practicing this aspect of, of your life specifically but two is to say it's like for example if you look at so there's more than one of these in, in the desert fathers where there's a monk who has a rule of not eating and he's a, and he's a hermit and then people would come to visit and right away he would cook and he would eat with them, no matter what his rule was. Why? Because it's an act of love for the brothers. But what he didn't do was say, oh, thank God, here's my chance. Let's pig out because I have visitors. Right? It was, I'm going to eat with them because they're here. Right? And then once they're gone, I continue fasting. There's a story of St. Macarius um, where he had a rule. He had stopped drinking wine. Okay, because it was seen as a luxury and it was seen as a thing. It wasn't because wine was evil. He just, it was as, as a luxury. But if anyone offered it to him, he would say yes. But then he would privately, not publicly, not drink water or anything for a whole day. Right. So that he wouldn't become like excited that somebody would offer him wine and then, and then he just gets excited. Right. So, so he had a personal rule. One of his disciples noticed it and so at one point he hadn't he hadn't had anything to drink for three days because of people offering him wine and so the disciples said on his behalf guys stop offering the guy wine okay because he ends up doing this in the sense but he didn't speak for himself right so make sure you have discernment right i'm worried in this case that you might not have the right discernment because if they're reacting to you so if they're trying to have a conversation and you're just sitting there i'm not accusing you of doing this but just being like mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you're obviously going to make everyone feel really weird. 
right? Like they're going to be like, well, what's, what's up with him? Is, that's why they're asking you, are you upset? <laughs> Did we do something? Is something up? Is there something troubling you? Is there something going on? Are you responding to COVID really badly? Right? They're going to all be like, they're, they're going to be worried about you, right? So find the right way to do it. If somebody says something funny, you can laugh right if they ask you like don't like be be a participant and without going overboard so you don't have to go from going all out laughing hysterically and being the most like talkative in the group nor do you need to be unnaturally silent right find the middle way where no one feels that you're that you're weird i i remember one time i don't even know if my parents remember this but um I was really, it was my, I was in London, Ontario for, for school, um, for university for a year. And I loved going for walks and I really loved quiet time. But I had this friend, he's now a priest, and the guy's a saint. But um, he was so quiet, so quiet and so meek. And so I had been on the phone with him and he wasn't faking. This was literally how we would talk. Anyone who knows him knows him. He'd be like, Hi, Abun. But we were, we were in Abunas at the time. He was like, hi, Mina, how are you? And, and it was like really soft. And, and I remember feeling so loud <laughs> when I spoke to him. So I, I hung up with him and I was going to go out for a walk. And so I went downstairs and I was like, dad, I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> and my dad looked at me and he was like, are you okay? Because <laughs> it was weird right? It wasn't, it wasn't me, right? So um, make sure that you're being yourself. Um, I'm sorry for rambling so much on, on that one. Um, oh, apparently my dad is watching as well. Sorry, Bobo. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a specific question about monasticism. I felt for years that monasticism is my calling, but I struggle with ADHD and feeling distracted in longer prayers such as the liturgy. Would something like this be an issue in the monastic life or to help my distraction? It's irrelevant, I think, to your monastic life. You're either called to monasticism or you're not. And if God is calling, he calls you as you are with whatever you've got. So all, all we have a duty as Christians, like, like monks and nuns, guys, it's just a Christian in a convent or a Christian in a monastery. That's all it is. Okay, I just don't like don't have an unhealthy attitude that these are magical people. They are definitely more disciplined. Um, God bless them. And because of their dis discipline, they're often more healthy than we are spiritually. Um, but it's not because they have a title of monk or title of nun. It's because of whatever it is that they're doing, which is also true for anybody living in the world. That's not just for monks and nuns. It's for everybody. Okay. So when God calls somebody, God is calling them saying, this is the most right way for your salvation. And I'm calling you for your salvation based on who you are, who I know you to be, and who I know wherever you're going to be, how they are. It's not even just about you. It's about your whole community. Okay? So um, if you have ADHD and you're called, then you're called. Right? It has nothing to do with, with what things you have. All that the ADHD will do is that it will affect how you participate and what you struggle with, which is fine. You might struggle with your ADHD. Somebody else might struggle with not wanting to talk to anybody but needing to. Right? Another person might be struggling with um, different kinds of thoughts. We're all coming to the, the table with our different baggage. So I don't, I don't see it as an issue. Um, I don't even see it as something to... Um, 
that you wouldn't even need to necessarily bring up with the superior of the monastery. Uh, Uh, sorry, this goes back to the confrontation thing. Sorry, I didn't see it. Is it okay to be upset with the steward of the servants or the priest but keep my distance for a while and then realize I overreacted and then go back to normal without actually apologizing to them or confronting them? Um, yeah, no. I mean, it's not the ideal. Um, and I would say it depends on how you're being reacted, how people are reacting to you. Because in a strong family, for example, um, we might know that a member of the family sucks at saying sorry, okay? But we know that, that he or she says sorry in a different way. So as a family member, do I need to demand that person to say sorry in my way? I shouldn't. Like, I, should, I should get it, right? Like I should get that this is how this person says sorry. So that's what I'm saying. The family dynamic plays a bit of a role here. If the family is good at accepting that, great, but they're not always gonna be able to be, okay? On my end, I should be looking at, but should I apologize? That's the real question. Should I apologize? And if the answer is yes, then I should, right? And I would even say, you know what, like, especially with those that we're closely with, forgive me, you know, as you guys have seen, if it's a recurrent thing, and if it's not recurrent, then just tell them, right? Um, you know, sometimes, you might find that I get a little bit defensive or I might become distanced. I might need to sort through my stuff. And then I jump and then I jump back into when I come back, I'm going to work because that's not the best response. It's not the right response. Right. Then it'd be like, I know it's not perfect. I know it's not right. And I'm going to work on not being like that, but just, if it happens, please bear with me. Um, I'm already kind of making myself vulnerable by telling you guys that I just want you to know that it's not because I view you guys as, as bad or evil. It's just that I sometimes struggle with this. Right. Um, and whoever is in charge at the service is the mean or the priest. If you're able to tell him or her, um, like for the steward and him for the, the, the priest, um, let them know. You know, I, I went to my bishop once. I'm, I'll, I'll put myself on the line. And I told him, I'm like, I told him, Sayyidina, um, I am sensitive and hasis. Like, I, I don't like to admit it, but I am. I, I am actually. Okay. And I know also specifically, I'm not even giving an excuse, but I also know that when I'm flaring with my disease, I'm even more sensitive than I usually am because I reacted once very strongly to him um, and a reaction that really didn't make sense for the circumstances. And I was like, so I just, I'm telling you, I know my reactions seemed extra. I just want you to understand it. Um, and I can't even tell you it will never happen again. It, it might. <laughs> so just understand it. Right. Um, and I'm sorry for, for, for how I reacted. Um, and I'll try. And honestly, it moved my Bishop to so much compassion, right? Like he wasn't just like, aha, it just made him understand it. And he smiled because it made him realize, okay, so I wasn't wrong. And it also helps him figure out how to deal with me in the service. And it made him trust me more, not, not the opposite. Right. And it might affect where to be in the service, right? Like something where it's okay to be back and forth as opposed to something that requires it. And that's where you need to do some self-reflection because if I always disappear, but I'm needed, right? It's, it's not fair to my family, right? If every time that I have an issue, I step out. So I might need to say to my family, because I know that I sometimes do this, how about you put me in a position where if I'm sometimes absent, it doesn't 
crush the system, right? So it's, it's about being honest with all of those. Good for you for being very honest with yourself and publicly here about this. Um, it shows that you really do, you, that you really care, not the opposite. Um, what do you suppose, um, I'm gonna call it a night at 11. So we'll, we'll go till, uh, till 11, um, which is eight o'clock Cali time. Um, what do you suppose um, great saints such as St. Mary of Egypt encounter to convict her into such intense and long lasting repentance? What did she experience to have such an instant transformation which lasts for a lifetime? She experienced the love of God. Um, but St. Mary of Egypt in particular um, also came around because of fear and shame, actually. Because we always like to make it always just this really rosy picture. But St. Mary actually, something harder happened to her because St. Mary of Egypt was on a boat, if you read her full life, to the Holy Land with people who were going there for pilgrimage. And she was on the boat to act as a prostitute on the boat. A lot of us forget that about her. We know she had a sinful life, but a lot of us forget that she was actually specifically on that boat just to sleep with people who were going to Israel for religious purposes. <laughs> that was why she was there, right? And so when she went to go into the church of the Theotokos, right, of St. Mary, she was prevented supernaturally from going in. It wasn't her conscience that held her back. She wasn't able to enter in, right? And God knew that this is how to speak to Mary of Egypt. That's not how he speaks to everybody. But he knew that this was how to speak to Mary of Egypt, right? That it was just that moment that she needed. Because I'm sure there are other moments where she went in just fine. But her not being able to go in gave her the pause to step back and say, who do I think that I am that I can just do this? And that led to her whole conversion, right? And then she saw um, St. Mary's icon and she developed a relationship with her. Um, so I won't recount the whole thing, but it's, it was her confrontation with self and her confrontation with God. Um, I think when people realize how real God is, like for real, for real, it's impossible to go back to normal. It's impossible, right? You, you can't just be the same person. It's a great question. Um, uh, last time you mentioned how you used to think monasticism was a choice rather than a calling, but that you no longer believe this. Yeah, I wanted to believe that it was a choice because I was, my will was being opposed by my, my father's confession at the time. So I wanted it to be a choice so that I could say, let me do what I want. Um, so it was purely because I had a bias. But monasticism, it, it really is a calling. Um, that's my view. And I, and I know that some people are of the view that it's not, and I'm not challenging them. I'm not challenging them. Um, I'm, I was taught that it's a calling. My experience has been that it's a calling. Um, and so I can only speak about it in that way, personally. Um, if somebody chooses it anyway, it doesn't mean that they won't have grace. It doesn't mean that their life is ruined. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love them. It doesn't even mean that they're going to be a bad monk or not. Right? It just, it's just that we should ask God, what do you want? The reason why I don't speak about that way about marriage is because marriage is the natural way. Everyone is naturally called to marriage. 
And that's not bad. That's good. That's how God designed it. And so it makes sense to me that if you're going to do something against nature, which is to be celibate, that's not normal, right? That you should have something from God saying, I don't want you to do this. I want you to do this other way because God knows we really need the help to be celibate. It's not easy, right? So um, it, 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 it makes sense to me that, that if you're going to go against the design, that you need something against the design to tell you, like, go this way. Otherwise, you might be being presumptuous. Um, uh, okay, this is more commentary, but I struggle with the concept of my talent because I might be okay at something that is identified as my talent, but I feel like someone else or many people are also good at this thing, if not better. And then it doesn't really feel like a talent because it's common or just an average level. Well, I guess put it into perspective because having a talent is, is, is not an evaluation of being better or worse than others at the thing. It's just about knowing what you're good at and what you enjoy. You don't have to be the best at it for it to be your talent. It just has to be something you're good at, right? So for example, I, um, I like reading. I have a talent of reading. I'm, I'm good at reading. I'm not the best reader, but that's totally relevant to me, right? Um, I'm, a, I'm a mediocre writer, but, it's, but I like it. I enjoy it. I have a blast. I benefit from it. Um, I'm definitely not actually a very good writer, right? Like, I don't think that my, my writing would stand very well to the scrutiny of university-level writing courses. I think it would be torn apart. No problem, right? So it's, 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 it's not about whether I'm the best at it. It's whether, I'm, whether I am good at it. I'm skilled at it. I relate to it. I grow from it. I see God in it. Um, I can serve others with it. Um, that's what matters. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend too much time um, comparing um, how, how good or not good I am at compared to others. If I've misunderstood what you meant, um, then, then please follow up because I might have. Um, I'm on a hunt to find out how God has gifted me to discover what strengths he has given me. I'm wildly aware of my weaknesses I know my biggest struggles are. If you'd like to speak into that, I'd be open to it, but let's leave that for another conversation. I'm trying to determine my strengths um, so that I can use them for his glory and the goal of others. Um, you know me, you've seen me live and work and move in this world. Would you help me figure out the gifts he's given me? It might take some time and that's okay. If you know some right off the bat, that's awesome. If you need to watch and pay attention, that's cool too. I'll be praying that God gives us both eyes to see and I'd love to speak into your strength as well. Thanks, friend. Oh, that's from a book. Cool. Um, that's great. That's really, really well articulated. Um, thank you uh, for that. Uh, relating to your answer about desiring the monastic life, how do you discern where God wants you to be? Where does that knowledge of knowing what is God's voice and what is not his voice comes from? Um, I've given a whole lecture on that. I would recommend that as arrogant as it sounds for me to say that I know how arrogant it sounds, but go listen to my talk. Um, it just saves an, an hour. Um, and I talk a lot clearly. Um, but I would recommend listening to that. But on, on like number one guidance, you have to have a guide, um, especially with these things. I'm not saying that God will only speak to you if you have a guide. I'm just saying that it's so easy for us to confuse things and say that was God. And we'll overread into things that we think were signs. And to say that, well, I prayed about this and then this happened, clearly it must be God. Um, and, and, 
and we're all guilty of that and we're all wanting it because it's not easy for us to learn how to deny our will it's not easy for us um to not to be unbiased about ourselves right so for example i i'm a mentor to some people i do guide quote unquote some people i do answer those questions but for myself i anthony paul i always go to my spiritual guide too because i don't know how to be as unbiased about myself as i am with others i've gotten better at being unbiased with myself but i'm still biased about myself right so it's 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 about um putting it out there so number one is is definitely having um guidance and two is that when god wants something specifically something very specifically god's not going to shut up about it okay like it's not like because you missed the message that he's just like ah oh, missed the message right if god is so adamant about something he is very powerful he's omnipotent so if he needs something he will get it done right so that's why it's like take your time don't rush things be very prayerful make sure you're living the gospel in everything i mean everything right because a person who consistently lives the gospel is going to be much more easily noting and noticing when something's not right because they they already sense it that's why christ says my sheep hear me they know my voice right a person who lives the gospel is able to hear god's voice a lot more clearly so those would be general general tips um feel free to um follow with more or to send me a, a, a an email or something with more specific um can you give uh tips for how to do quiet time i've been told to just sit in front of an icon and try and think of nothing but that seems impossible to just think of nothing for me yeah it's impossible not to think um i haven't been able to do it i don't know anyone who's been able to do it um but it's about emptying your thoughts of you more than anything else right like father lazarus one of the conversations i had with him one once um like 17 years ago or no 20 years ago now one of the first conversations i ever had with him um he made a comment about how he only allows himself one hour of free thought a day and i think that's really more what it's about about free thought versus like controlled or directed thought okay so um having an icon is a way okay just sitting in silence is okay having um singing a spiritual song um being silent reading a passage and meditating on it the idea is for you to be quiet as it's called okay but then to be aware of what do your thoughts come as as um there's a book by metropolitan anthony bloom called beginning to pray um and he um makes a comment that i think we can all relate to he says that most people when they first start this will realize that they're full of garbage right like that what comes out is nothing holy when they've been quiet it becomes their laundry their issues like it's not that and he's like and that's fine right you start off there right but then take those that the way that what i suggest you is take that and just park it store it don't deal with it okay you had a thought just park it right but now look at your god talk to your god right um don't talk to your god about you if you want to benefit from 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 quiet time 
right? Because our generation, sorry, we're just, we're all about ourselves. If you're just going to sit there and just be like, I'm so tired, I'm so sick, I'm so needy. Um, I would really like this. I would really like that. Help this person, help that person. Do this, do that. That's not, that's not a conversation. <laughs> that's, that's your laundry list. Okay. God listens to that too. That's a, that's its own section of prayer. It's called petition. It's just that we think prayer and petition are the, are, are synonymous and equal. And that's all that prayer is. That prayer is petition. That's not the case. Petition is one aspect of prayer. Imagine, um, I really feel badly for my parents now as an adult, right? Because I'm more aware of how horrible we are as children and as adults, where most of our conversation with parents are about what we want. Not about them, not who they are, what they're thinking, what they're like right? Nothing. It's just like, um, it's either venting, complaining about our own positions or asking for money or for gifts or doing, I'm, I'm still guilty of that till this day, but in your quiet time, direct it at God, right? If you're looking at the icon, meditate on the icon as a, maybe as a starting point of what does this say about him? If you have an icon of Christ, the good shepherd, right? He's got the lamb around his shoulder. What does that mean? And direct that at God, not at yourself. What does that mean, God, that you did that? Who are you that you do that, right? Um, if it's the cross, whether it's that, whether it's, it's Christ with the little children, right? Of, of like, but changing your focus of thoughts to be about God. For some people, it's doing Jesus prayer, just to get rid of any kind of thoughts, to only do one prayer over and over and over again. Um, that is a way. I'm saying a way because I think sometimes, I know I'm going to probably be crucified by the ultra-Orthodox, I think that um, people get not theistic sometimes about, about Jesus' prayer, that Jesus' prayer becomes an end of itself. And Jesus' prayer is not an end, it's a means. Okay? And so if it if it's, can be used as a tool for you to help not think about a billion things, great, use it. Um, it might be meditating on the song. Sing the, part of the reason why we sing psalms and sing prayers is to slow you down right? So that you can get your mind and your head into it. Um, and so that you can reflect on the meaning of things. So those are some um, ways to start. But if you're aiming to think of nothing, yeah, God help you. Um, I still don't know how to do it. Um, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't advise on that. Um, this will be the last one and then I'll call it a night. Are we responsible as Christians to understand and analyze what will happen in the end times? Many Christians seem hyper-focused on finding signs around them, indicating the second coming. I'm weary of the speculation and sci-fi conspiracy type conversations that speak on behalf of God and assume to know all that will come. How can we find balance in this? Okay, it sounds like there's some like hardcore conversation happening in your local community. Um, so I'm against, I'm, 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 I'm anti-extremism, okay? So I am against those who say, nah, don't even think about it. Don't even discuss it. Um, just only focus yourself on your personal end. Okay. Um, and then the other extreme sounds like what you are describing. <laughs> okay. Because our Lord himself, let's go back to the gospel. Christ said to us explicitly, forget the book of Revelations. When Christ spoke about end times, he said, I am telling you this. Because just like when you look at the, at the fields, you know it's season. And when you look at the tree, you know it's time for harvest so that you know. So he told us, be on guard. He said it, right? He said, be watchful, be on guard. So it's not wrong to pay attention, 
but I would say that the extreme of trying to analyze and, and proclaim truth is a very dangerous thing, right? To say, and thus this must be happening and this must be happening. I do look at the signs that Christ said, and I, I question it. I, I'm one of those people who thinks we're near the end, but I, I'm not big on, oh, because, you know, Trump said this and then Israel did this. And then look at this like Chinese worship that's moving East and Iran. Pro no, like, I'm not saying that that's what I'm saying. I, I don't, I don't have the authority to say in the name of God, this is what's going on. I'm not a prophet. I'm looking at things like Christ saying in those days, people will have the form of religion and not its power. Right. He said in those days, because lawlessness, unruliness, people doing whatever they want will take over. Love will wax cold. And I'm like, yeah, I, I see that. I'm looking at Christ saying, um, and in those days, um, when the Lord comes, he will ask, will I find even a few faithful? Right. And I'm like, I'm, I'm asking that Lord. Um, so I don't think it's wrong to reflect. It would be wrong to assert. Um, and so I would just say, keep it balanced. If people are, are overdoing it, just like mentally check out. Right. Um, and when it comes back to earth, then, um, then join in or we're possibly just bringing the gospel, right? Just be like, yeah, it's possible. Anything is possible. We don't know, but what is God's message to us? Be alert, be vigilant, be faithful right? Just be faithful. That's, that's what God is asking from us. So I, I, the end answer, whether it's tomorrow, next week, 200 years is do, am I being, am I being faithful? And, um, glory to God forever. Amen. There are about 20 more, no, about 10 more, uh, questions. Um, so, um, if you guys want to email them, I can use them on, on future uh, 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 Q&As. Um, I had a survey out there if you guys want to fill it out. Thank you for those who already have. About half of you have said you want a particular Q&A. So we might move something like that to the morning. Um, and then those who can't watch in real time or whatever can, can listen to it after. I'll still figure that out. And um, thank you guys for your patience. And let us end with prayer. And then we'll all uh, dip. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Lord, hear us through intercessions and prayers of Holy Mother, Theotokos, St. Mary, the Great St. Anthony, St. Pope Corlus and Mina, when we pray with all thanksgiving, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not temptation, but listen to the evil one of Christ, Jesus our Lord. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Love of God the Father, grace only God and Son. The communion and gifts of the Holy Spirit with you all. Go in peace. Peace be with you all. See you later, homies. Bye, everyone.